So excited to have you guys with us. I'm excited. We're going to dive into our Christmas message that we've been on for three weeks already. And we've been exploring the, the topic of Jesus as the Passover lamb, the lamb of God. That's actually the title of our message. Y'all say that with me. The lamb, lamb. of God. And so we have been diving into scripture and y'all it's been getting real. Say that word with me. Real. And we said at the beginning of this, this is not really a traditional Christmas message in the sense of where we're going to be hanging out in Luke chapter 2 talking about Jesus as, as a baby in a manger. We have been doing that, but I told you guys I've, as I've been praying and seeking the Lord, me and Pastor Keith have been talking, just seeing and recognizing the signs in our world today that it's getting closer and closer of Jesus' second coming. And I feel like as, as the church, as, as Christians, as, as believers, we pretty well know the Christmas story pretty good. We understand he, he came as a baby, he, he was born in a barn, but the three wise men came and, and brought gifts, he was born of a virgin, right? He came into the, the still, quilt, still quiet stillness in the dark of night. And if I believe in Jesus, I understand he's coming back. And can I tell you that the second time he comes back, it ain't going to be in the still quietness of night. And so we want to equip you guys as we celebrate his first coming, equipping you with truth to understand the, the second part of the story. Because I feel like we as Christians have a lot of questions about what it's going to look like when he comes back. Nobody knows the time or the day or the hour. Jesus Christ said, not even I know the, the day or time. Only the Father knows. But we can't, Jesus said, you can recognize the season by its signs. And so if you pay attention out there, y'all, it's getting closer by the day. And so that's been the heartbeat of this message as we celebrate Jesus as the Lamb of God. But equipping you guys with truth. Yeah, we've been hanging out in Revelations. Merry Christmas. And I've been trying to, I've been trying to do a lot of the legwork for you, right? Studying the word and giving you the truth. And at the end of the day, who, who, who is it on to, to do something with that truth? The sign, you guys, right? So I hope you hear the message. I, I hope you apply the message. And as we kicked us off, we said that, see, end times, it, it has this, this tendency to, to kind of seize us up almost like we, we begin to have questions and we, even in our doubts, we begin to maybe get fearful of God and we, we begin to wonder, is all this, these bad things going to happen? And there's some bad things going to happen. The judgments of God poured out in the earth on those who've rejected Jesus Christ. But we said these are not things to be scared of. They should activate us to a place of faith. Right? They shouldn't scare us. They should activate us to moving into a place of faith. All the end times events the, that we've covered, that we've, we've been covering, that Jesus' the second coming, the rapturing of his church, the Antichrist, stepping into a power of authority one day, all these things happen for a reason. They are for the redeeming qualities and purpose of Jesus Christ to separate the wheat from the, the chaff, the, the believers from the hypocrites, the children of God from the children of the devil. Do you, do you follow the Christ or do you follow the spirit of the Antichrist? Hope and pray you're following the spirit of Christ. As we kick this off, we started in John chapter 1. 
Verse 29. Y'all turn your Bibles there. We got it provided for you on the TVs. And John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus, he literally declared that Jesus was the Lamb of God. And let me prove it to you. Look there at verse 29. It says, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, behold, the what? The Lamb of God. There it is. Highlight that phrase, that, that statement, that name of our Lord, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. Jesus is the Passover Lamb, the spotless, blemish-free lamb that comes to take away the sins of the world and your personal sins and your personal transgressions, your neighbor's personal sins and their personal transgressions. The spotless, sacrificial lamb, his blood is worthy to cover every evil deed that's ever been done. He sets us free from the power of sin and brings us alive in himself. I've heard a pastor once say, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to bring dead men to life. Who's been brought to life? Somebody. God bless you. You understand the supernatural power of the Lamb of God. You understood you were far from perfect. You understood you had sin. You understood that you needed help. You needed saving. And Jesus Christ on the cross did that for you in a real, personal way. He's the Lamb of God. He came as a precious little baby born in a barn. And when he comes the second time, which we're going to see today, he's no longer an innocent little baby. He is a king on a horse ascending from the clouds with the armies of heaven. Come on, somebody. The first time he came, he came with the message of saving grace, love, joy, peace, patience, goodwill to men. The second time he comes is to gather those who believe. The time to believe is now. When he comes back, the time of believing is over. It's about who believed. Amen. So I hope and pray you believe today, continue to believe, and continue to follow Jesus Christ. Amen. Look at that first point for today. So as I said, we've been talking about Jesus as the, the Passover lamb, as the lamb of God. So we're going to give you, we're kind of going to scatter around a little bit for today. But I really want to start with, especially with Christmas being right around the corner next week, Christmas Eve. Sing and recognize Jesus as the Lamb of God. We celebrate him as, as our communion, the unifying of the, the body of Christ, his church, and the bridegroom who is Jesus. So look what this first point says. Let's unpackage this thought together. It says, Jesus as the Lamb of God offered himself as the Passover Lamb, establishing what we call communion. Y'all say that word with me? Communion. Through communion, we remember his death and the price he paid for our salvation. Communion is a reminder that we too must suffer with him. Jesus has the Passover lamb forever, eternally, covers our sins. And communion, as, he, as we're going to read in, in Luke chapter 22 here in a second, he taught the disciples on Passover that he is the Passover. Come on, somebody. And he, he, he declared that my body is, is, is going to be broken for you and my blood will be shed for you for the forgiveness of sins and ushering in my my new, a brand new covenant 
And so Jesus Christ, as the Lamb of God, he is the Passover Lamb. What's the Passover Lamb? If you read your Old Testament book of Exodus, you see the Israelites, the Lord spoke to them and said, back in the day, to bring a sacrifice to the priest to cover your sins, you had to bring a living animal. And you had to bring a, a lamb, the, the spotless, blemish-free lamb. The best lamb of your flock is the one you had to sacrifice to God because God's all about the first fruits, the best fruits. And he told the Israelites that when the Spirit would come and kill all the firstborn of the, the nation of Egypt, that you had to spread the blood of the lamb, the Passover lamb, on your doorposts. And so when Jesus is teaching the disciples at the Last Supper about what we know as communion, he is doing that on the anniversary of when Jesus did that in the book of Exodus. And he goes deeper. He's saying that this, that's the old way. I'm about to do something new. Say that word with me. New. He's saying, I am the new Passover lamb. If you have me, you have salvation. If you have me, you have God's grace. If you have me, there's nothing that you, you cannot do. There's nothing that cannot be accomplished in and through you if you have me. Communion is how we receive his offering, this offering of himself. Jesus said, no one takes my life, but I freely give it. He did that on the cross. He also said, there is no greater the love than for one who lays his life down for his brother, for his friend, which is the bread, partaking of his blood, which is the wine. We receive that offering of sacrifice through communion. The unifying of Jesus and his church. In Genesis chapter 1, it says, when a, a husband and a wife come together in marriage, they, are, they cleave together as one body and one flesh. Jesus offering himself as the Passover lamb, giving of himself and us receiving that gift through communion, the bread and the blood is how God joins his church bride and his church groom together as one flesh. That's awesome. Come on, somebody. And then the Bible says, let no man separate what God has, not even the devil come on, somebody, can separate what God joins together. So communion is how we receive that offering, and communion is how we also partake. That's all. I give you all the good news first. How Communion is how we also partake in his suffering. Because if you read your Bible, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul says of communion, you must examine yourself before receiving something that is holy. Who believes Jesus is worthy? And holy. So before I receive that, who's, who's been married in here? Who is married? God bless you. Stay married. I hope when you entered into your covenant with your spouse, you examined yourself and you understood that this marriage vow is something that's forever. When God unifies his church through communion, it's it's, it's a reminder of the covenant that he made and the covenant that I make. And so because he went through the whippings, 39 cattails, he went through the crucifying of his hands and his feet and 
ultimately laying his life down for our eternal salvation, that means I have a cross that I also have to bear. Because he loved me so much, I received that love, and upon receiving that, that love, I see that, you know what? When it gets hard, that's when I have to press into God because there's suffering involved with my faith and as a child of God. Amen? Look at Luke chapter 22. I want to read it together. We're going to, we're going to give you guys another lot of verses this week. So I'm actually going to, for time's sake, I'm going to trim some of them. If you, get, you follow along with your paper outline, it may be a little different for today. You guys can read those to their full extent in your quiet time this week, but we're going to try and get as much of it as possible because I really want to equip you guys with his word. And as Pastor Jessica said before we read this, I, don't take everything that I say as, as the gospel truth. I try my best to preach what, what God wants me to preach, right? But I'm, I'm human. I miss it. And so study thyself. Study yourself approved. Take what, what I'm saying and then dive into his word for yourself, right? Dive into it and study it and get those little nuggets that God has for you, amen? So but look at chapter 14, Luke 22. Look what it says. When the time come, when excuse me, when the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus said, "I have I'm, I have been very eager to eat this what Passover. There it is, this Passover meal with you before my what suffering begins." It's a message for us. For I tell you that we won't eat this meal again until this meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. I want you to highlight that for today. I'm gonna I'm gonna dive into that. And what that means for us. Verse 17 says, Then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. Then he said, Take this and share it among themselves, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He says that same statement and phrase again. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces, gave it to the disciples, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, This cup is the new covenant between God and and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. In verse 15, Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. He goes on, verse 16, I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And then in verse 18, he says the exact same thing, for I will not dr drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. Did you know there's going to be a marriage ceremony in heaven with the bridegroom, Jesus Christ, and his bride? Did you know that? We're going to read that and expound upon that together today. If you didn't know that, you're going to find out all about it. It's going to be a sight to behold. But Jesus is just reaffirming to his disciples that what he's saying is true, but, but what he's saying is, is deeper than what they can see and experience in there now. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter how good it is, no matter how hard it is, no matter how many doubts you have or, or how fired up in your faith you may be, you have to understand that everything that we do and say is spiritual. And if we are connected to Christ through our faith that what I say and do affects the bride of Christ, and it affects Jesus. Now, it's not going to affect him to the degree that it, it shortchanges who he is. He's the, he's the Lord. He's the Messiah. He's the Savior of, uh, of the world. But we have to be a representation of who he is. 
So if I say I believe, but I act like the world, I don't live and act like a Christian, does that not tarnish the name of Jesus Christ in the sight of the world? Maybe we'll be accountable to that. Tarnishing the name of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus came to save and he, he's going to come to gather those who he believes on Passover, guys. Jesus declares that he is the Passover. That's how we receive his offering. Look at Romans 8, 17 through 18. When I receive his offering, I also have to partake in his suffering. So look what Paul says in Romans 8. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share in his glory, we what? We'll share in his suffering. Yet that what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. To share in his glory, I got to share in his suffering. To share in his life, I got to share in his death. And we can do that through the physical receiving of communion. We partake of communion once a month every here at Liberty Church. We get to do that next week on Christmas Eve. It's going to be powerful. It's going to be special. Mark your calendars. Be here at what time? Y'all paid attention. Sugarboo did a good job of announcing that. 9.30 next week for, for Christmas time only. We are going to receive, come on somebody, the the precious body and the blood, that we're going to receive the Passover lamb who John, who John the Baptist declared, Behold, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. Amen? Look at that next point. Kind of alluded to this a little bit. And it's really, the Lord showed me, it, it's an amazing transition as Jesus, as, as communion, as the Passover lamb, the he is also ushering in the, the, the marriage of God's people. To who? To God himself. Think about it. God's marriage day. right? Look at that next point. Look what it says. Jesus, the Lamb of God, will invite those who are born again into the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's what it's called in the book of Revelations. We're going to read it here in a moment. In chapter 19. This meal is a celebration of what is to come. Sealing our eternal salvation and redemption as the bride of Christ, the marriage supper is a celebration that we will reign with him. Who remembers what Jesus just said that we read in Luke chapter 22? Speaking of communion, I had you highlight it because he said it twice. He said that I'm very eager to eat this Passover meal with you because I will not eat of it again until when? The kingdom of God has come. Guess what we're going to eat at the, the marriage supper of the Lamb? Communion. And did you know that just like any old wedding, you got to be invited. If you were married, you made an invitation list. And God's holy matrimony is not going to be any different. To be a part of it, you have to be invited. The unification of Jesus and his church, God's wedding, is going to be a sight to behold. Can I let you into what it's going to look like just a little bit? Can I give you a glimpse? 
Turn to Revelations chapter 19. I want to give you 6 through 9. Look what the Spirit of God showed John, the, the apostle, the one that Jesus loved as he writes and prays and pens here in Revelations. It says, Then I heard again what sounded like a shout of a vast crowd or the roar of a mighty ocean waves or the crash of loud thunder. Praise the Lord for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and let us give honor to him for the time has come for the what? Wedding feast of the what? The Lamb. Jesus is the Lamb of God. And his what? His bride has prepared herself. Can I ask you to do something? Underline those two words. Prepared herself. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear, for the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are what? Invited. The wedding feasts of the Lamb, as he added, these are the true words that come from God. God's bride will be pure and holy. It says that his bride has prepared are you preparing as the bride of Christ to take the arm of your Savior in heaven? Or have you been daily procrastinating of getting right? Because you're not going to procrastinate your way into heaven and you're definitely not going to procrastinate your way to the wedding feast of the Lamb. You know what the problem is with procrastination? There are those who prepare for whatever it is they have to prepare for. And they're, very, they're very keen on details and things they have to do. And when things do arise, they're not really caught off guard by it a whole lot because they're constantly preparing. Our faith is the same. You have to daily be in preparation, preparing yourself as a bride of Christ through prayer, through his word, through your faith. Flip side of that, the problem is with those who procrastinate, why do they keep procrastinating? Because they keep getting away with it. They keep procrastinating because they wait right up until the end, right up until the thing they got to do, right up until whatever it is. And, and they procrastinate, and they know they're procrastinating, but at, at the end of the day, they somehow they, 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 they get by the skin of their teeth. And this is why you have to hear me. Our faith is not like that. You're not going to get into heaven by the skin of your teeth. You're going to get into heaven because you've been good and faithful. And you've prepared yourself. Did you read what it said? If you were married here today, I hope your wife was, she was probably wearing white and she was dressed up. She, she might have spent, I, my wife, she, she does hair and makeup and she actually helps other brides and their whole bridal party get ready sometimes. You know, I don't get to see my wife for like 12 hours that day because she's spending 12 hours preparing the bride. It's going to take time to purify yourself, to be holy as the bride of Christ, to present herself. Gentlemen, I'm lumping you in with this. 
Gentlemen, we are part of the bride of Christ. We have to present ourselves holy and pleasing to God. Look at that next point. Another thing the Lamb of God does, Jesus. So he's our communion. He's also our representation as the bridegroom, as he is going to be joined together with his bride one day in heaven. In order for all that to come to pass, we have to allow the, the Spirit of God to live within inside of us. So look at this point. Look what it says. Jesus, as the Lamb of God, establishes the kingdom of God within us. His spiritual kingdom reigns and rules in and through those who are what? Born again. We are a catalyst for his kingdom. To be able to see and recognize God's kingdom, which is spiritual, to be able to see in the spirit, I have to be born of the spirit. We're all here because we were all physically born. Y'all, we're waiting on a baby, by the way. Waiting on a baby to be born. Any day now, it's going to be awesome. But Jira's going to be no different. She's going to be born in the physical. We were all born in the physical. Jesus told Nicodemus, to see the kingdom of God, you have to be born again. What is he saying? What does he mean? He, he means because the kingdom of God is, he, Jesus also said, it's not something that is you can just observe. It does not go from here. It does not go to there. Because the kingdom of God is, there's hope in that. Even in our evil deeds, even in our sin, there's hope because the kingdom of God is where? Within us. But to partake of, to experience, to see, I have to be born. Again, I have to spiritually be reborn. To be transformed into the likeness and image of Jesus Christ, I have to do that through the renewing of my mind on a daily basis and the spirit he awakens us to spiritual things as that point says his spiritual kingdom reigns and rules in and through those who are what born again if you're in relationship with jesus christ you understand that he set you free from the power of sin because you understand he reigns and rules do you still have a choice though you can still do the evil thing that maybe you secretly want to do, but when you're born again, there's this, this sense. It's bigger than a sense. It's the Holy Spirit. It's this awakening. I still have to choose, and that's why I need to be transformed by the renewing of my mind, putting on the mind of Christ every day. But because the choice never goes away, I understand that he rules and reigns, and when I appropriately respond to his prompting, Jesus Christ rules and reigns. And I experience God at new levels, and I experience God's kingdom coming alive within me. And when God's kingdom comes alive within you, it begins to, to move through you. And people that you encounter every day, your family and your friends, because the kingdom of God is within you because you're born again, they experience the love of God through you. Because in Jesus' name, you continue to let him reign and rule in your life. You continue to let him reign and rule your tongue. And you continue to let him reign and rule in your direction and in your steps. 
and in your life. And if you can continue to let the Lamb of God reign and rule in here, then he will reign and rule out here. Pastor, I got somebody that I love and I care about so much and I wish they would come back to the Lord and they're not living right and they're struggling, they're going through all these things. And I'm believing and I'm praying. I hope and pray that the kingdom of God is reigning and ruling in here with hope and expectation. Don't let the enemy snatch that seed. Bury that seed deep. And then I would ask you, what are you, what are you doing to allow the Spirit of God to reign and rule out here? Don't stop at just praying for them. Get involved. But that means I might have to ask them some questions. That means I might have to, to, to go out of my comfort zone. Do it. If Jesus said to do it, do it. If you love them that much, you're going to let fear and timidity stop you? God wants to use us, guys, to let his spirit reign and rule in the earth. And he does that in and through our lives. Look at John 3.3. 3. I just alluded to this scripture. This is Jesus speaking to uh, the Pharisee Nicodemus, it says, Jesus answered and said to them, Most surely I say to you, unless one is what? Born again, he cannot what? See the kingdom of God. To, to see the kingdom of God, I have to be born of the kingdom of God. We just watched the Christmas movie last night, me and the boys, Polar Express. And the main character of that boy, he's, he's struggling with his faith of believing in Santa through the whole movie. And at the very end, he has to, he can't hear the, the jingle bells. Anybody seen this movie? He can't hear the bell, right? And it's because he, he, he's, he's guilty of knowing he doesn't believe. And so in order to hear that bell, he simply just says, he says, he breaks down, he says, I, I believe. Believing is not in seeing. Seeing is, excuse me, seeing is not believing. Believing is seeing. What am I trying to say? The whole movie, that kid was wanting Santa to prove himself in his life, that you're real. God will prove himself sometimes, but God does not have to prove himself to make you believe first. According to your standards. Jesus has already proven himself <laughs> forever. He doesn't want you to ask him to prove to me that you're real God, then I'll. Then I'll believe. Then I'll start praying. Then I'll start reading my word. Jesus has already done that. He wants you to believe first, and then he activates in your life. As soon as that boy said, I believe what happened. Ding, 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 ding. He could hear the bell. Now, that movie is totally fictitious and really has nothing to do with Jesus. But the Holy Spirit, you know, he can teach through a fictitious movie to you if you give him the moment and the opportunity. So I'm going to share that tomorrow, God, because you said our faith is the exact same. If, if you can believe in Jesus first, then you can begin to hear him. Pastor Jessica, you're following along with me ahead. Must be my wife. She said, and see him. That's exactly what I was going to say. You can hear him and see him. 
but you first must believe. Amen? We're in Revelations, and Holy Spirit still somehow made this a Christmas message. Come on, somebody. Look at that next point. It says, Jesus, the Lamb of God, will establish the kingdom of God upon the earth. This is called the millennial reign. For a thousand years, he and we will rule the earth with a rod of iron. His kingdom will come, and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Matthew 6, 9, Jesus said, When you pray, you shall pray as thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus Christ is going to reign and rule with his bride for a thousand years in the earth. As we've been on this for three weeks now, we've kind of been hitting some of these end times events. And this is probably the, the least heavy of the messages that we've had because we haven't really even got to the end times yet today till just now. Well, so we've been talking about the great tribulation. We've been talking about Jesus as the Lamb of God opening the, the seals on the scroll, the seven seals in Revelation 6, 7, 8, 9, ushering in the seven trumpets and bowls of judgment, allowing the famines and the wars and death and sickness and the destruction of people and creation as the Antichrist comes to power and the false prophet goes and deceives the people on earth the beast, the mark of the beast. We've been talking about all these events. And so this event of the millennial reign, the Bible says, will happen for a thousand years where Christ will rule in the earth, happens after all those things. It does not happen after the battle of Armageddon, though. Even when Jesus reigns and rules for a thousand years with his church, it says that he locks away Satan himself, for a thousand years, and then he actually is released again to tempt all those that are left. And then after that, the new heaven and the new earth, God will make and, and literally lower from heaven as we will then live forever after the day of judgment together. As I was praying and, and asking about this event of this millennial reign, the Holy Spirit, y'all love the Holy Spirit. He leads us into all truth because he's the spirit of truth. And that, the, that word, the thousand year, the millennium reign began to just kind of ring out of me. And I began to, 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 to flip through some other scriptures and get moved out of the book of Revelation to some other books. I got moved into the, uh, Second Peter. And it says, Peter says of God that a day is, to God, a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years is like a day. And I began to just pray over that and think of that. You know, as humans, we live on a linear time scale. There's a beginning and there's an end, and your life is just a little chunk on that timeline. We serve an eternal God who is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, it says. God's time scale, God's time limit is not the same, someone say same, as yours and mine. So his millennium reign is going to be a thousand years, but to the Lord a thousand years is like a day, and a day is like a thousand years. Maybe his millennium reign will happen so fast that it'll be in the sight of those who are born again, who are saved, like 
a day. I'm going to give you that scripture. Turn to 2 Peter 3, 8, and 9. It says, but you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. And I want to give you verse 9 because, just let's just read it. It says, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants what? Everyone to repent. I want to give you guys some homework again for this week. This whole message, you've been getting homework every week because there's so many, so much scripture and so much truth you got to dig into. I want you to go home and read this whole chapter of 2 Peter because it is so pertinent to everything that we're talking about. He is, he is speaking to those who are, he's speaking to about the second coming of Jesus. And he's trying to impart hope to them because a lot of them are experiencing persecution. A lot of them are being killed. A lot of them are hoping and praying that Jesus would come back because it's getting real bad. Is it getting real bad out there? Some of you are praying, Jesus, come back. I'm ready, right? That's my prayer. I'm going to miss my family. I miss my boys and my wife and everybody I love. But I know that with him, to be absent of the body is to be present with the Lord. Come on, somebody. And so he's inspiring. He's saying, it it may seem like you've been waiting a long time. Someone's in the waiting. You've been waiting for a long time for whatever it is. It may feel like a thousand years to you. But remember, to the Lord, a thousand years is like a, and a day is like a thousand years. So we have to remember that there is still hope because God can show up in an instant, in a moment, in a day. It may felt like I waited forever, but when he shows up, he shows up in a moment, in a day. And that's exactly what he wants us to get from this. What's the last part of that scripture? He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. If he's not on the same timeline as ours, that means he has all the time, and that means your time is what? Limited and sacred. So use your time that he's given you wisely. Repent now, because you don't get to repent later when he comes back. Don't keep procrastinating. I'll repent from this thing tomorrow, next week. I'm going to quit watching this stuff tomorrow or next week. I'm going to quit using this stuff, this drugs, this alcohol tomorrow or next week. Repent now for the, the time, the Bible says, of salvation is now, is today, the Bible says. Today. A day is like a thousand years. A thousand years to the Lord is like a day. Now, I want to move into Revelations. Turn to chapter 19. I'm going to give you 11 through 16. That point that we just read said that he will rule reign with an iron rod. His kingdom will come and his will will be done. So look at verse 11. It says, Then I saw heaven opened up, and a white horse was standing there, and its rider was named Faithful and True. This is not the Antichrist, as 
the opening of that first seal, when Jesus opens that first seal in Revelation 6, a lot of people think that first rider is Jesus. That is actually the Antichrist. This white rider is Jesus. Okay? His name is Faithful and True, and he judges fairly and wages a what? Righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire. And on his head were many crowns, and his name was written on him that no one understood except him. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. The armies of heaven, dressed in his finest pinnace were white linen, followed him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, like juices flowing from a wine press. On his robe at, the, at his thigh was written this title, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Jesus told the disciples to pray like this, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why are end times events not something to be fearful of, but something that should activate us? Because Jesus is the Savior of the world, but guess what else he is? He's the judge of the world. And it says that he comes to wage a righteous, justful war against good and evil. Our world wants to gray the area. It wants to think, well, I can dabble in this and I can still be a Christian. You really know there's only good and evil. And the Holy Spirit's the one that helps us figure out the gray areas. So many Christians want to live right on the line. They want to believe in Jesus, but they want to see how close they can get before they step over into sin. I want to live right here, right? I, I want to I be a Christian, but I want to do these things. The more pure you present yourself, come on somebody, the more desirable you become to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I want to be a desirable child. God already desires you, okay? But sanctification and purification is a process. And Jesus is the Savior of the world. For God so loved that he gave John 3.16. But as we just read in Revelation 19, God so loves that he's going to come on a cloud with the armies of heaven, with eyes like flames of fire, to purify and sanctify the children of God. Those who are really believers and those who are acting like they're believers, the hypocrites, and those who reject Christ. Now, turn over to the next chapter, Revelation chapter 20. I'll give you verses 1 through 6. Then it says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven with the key to the bottomless pit, and a heavy chain on his head, he seized the dragon, that old serpent who is the devil, Satan, and bound him in chains for a thousand, what? A thousand years. The angel threw him in the bottomless pit, which he then shut and locked so Satan could not deceive the nations anymore until what? The thousand years were finished. Afterward, he must then be released for a little while. Then I saw thrones and the people sitting on them had been given the authority to what? Judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony about Jesus, for proclaiming the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his statue, nor accepted his mark on the forehead or their hands. They all came to life again. 
and they reigned with Christ. I want you to highlight those three words. They reigned with Christ for a thousand years. This is the first resurrection. The rest of the dead did not come back unto life until the thousand years had ended. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. For them, the second death holds no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. How good is our God? He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. But what is he going to do? He is going to delegate, come on, somebody, that authority. Why is it important, Pastor Ian, that I don't live close to the fence? Because the Bible says, he who is faithful with will be faithful with. On earth, you say you're a Christian and you're living on the line. You're barely faithful. Jesus says he's gonna, we're going to rule and reign with him. He's going to delegate his authority to rule and reign in truth and in justice. You know what's wrong with our government system these days? Our elected leaders, those who, who have power and authority, who have been delegated by the people, for the people, what do they do? They live on the line. And what happens when you live on the line? You can be bribed very easily. Jesus is not going to delegate his power and authority to somebody who lives that way. Is this getting real for somebody? Don't compromise to satisfy your flesh now. Because with him, it's going to be so much better, so much sweeter, so much greater. And you got to be faithful now in the little before he can give you much, before he can give you more. And he wants to give you more. He wants to give you much. But you have to, seems kind of weird saying this, but can't really spare He needs to know that he can trust you. God, can he trust you? How do we prove our trust? Every day by being faithful. Amen? Look at that last point. says this, so after the thousand-year millennium reign will be the final white throne judgment. Jesus says the Lamb of God will usher in that white great throne judgment for all those who have rejected him. He will also create a new heaven and a new earth. His final judgment is final. There is a finality with an eternal God. Just as there was a finality with the new covenant and the old covenant, there will be a finality of giving an account to our lives at the great throne judgment. And then after the great white throne judgment, then, somebody say then, we'll need a new heaven and a new earth because this one's going to be destroyed by the, the battle of Armageddon. Someone say hallelujah. Hallelujah. We'll need a, a new heaven and a new earth where our new resurrected bodies can then reside. You're going to get a holy, pure, new resurrected body. One that, that, that can't sin. One that can't get sick. One that doesn't combust and corrode and get old. Y'all, I see 40. I'm starting to feel 40 some mornings. A back that doesn't go out. 
It's going to be amazing. But, someone said, but a judgment must first occur. What's that judgment going to be based on? Anyone who has rejected him. That's it. Anyone who has rejected him and his, his will for their lives and him and their ways for his life. Staying in Revelations 20, look at 11 through 15. It says, And then I saw a great white throne, and on it sitting, excuse me, and then the one sitting on it. The earth and the sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both the great and the small, standing before God's throne, and the books were open, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead, and the dead gave up the grave. Uh, and the, the sea gave up its dead, and the dead gave the grave gave up their dead. Excuse me. And all were there it is judged according to their deeds. The death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Where is your name today? It also says, he opens up some other books. I'm not quite sure what those other books are. But the only one that really matters is the book of life. And is your name in it? If your name is in it, if you're secure in that, hallelujah. But if you have some doubts today, in a moment when we close, respond in faith. All it takes is for you to believe, to activate his spirit and his life in your life. Amen. I want to leave you with Revelations 21, 1 through 4. Here's the good news. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was gone. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them. And they will be his people. God himself will be with them. And he wiped every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Let's say that word together. Forever. I believe we have an issue in our mortality. An issue in our carnal mind of seeing comprehending and understanding what that little word means forever forever no beginning no end everything forever and in that moment forever sin will be gone come on somebody pain will be gone fear will be gone doubt will be gone these things currently run rampant. And that's why Jesus has to come to redeem God's creation. And when God comes to redeem his creation, they will be gone forever, replaced with hope forever, joy forever, praise forever, health forever, pure, unadulterated holiness. No more good and evil, just holy. All because the lion of the tribe of Judah was first the Lamb of God.
the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. Those who are born again are no longer dead to sin, but alive in Christ. They are now a new creation in Christ. Jesus makes us new, and he's also going to make a new heaven and a new earth if we can live together with him. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Let's close together and pray. If you are a born-again Christian, you're in this daily relationship with Jesus, I want you to right now pray for the lost. Begin to thank him for your life and thank him for things that he's doing in your life. And I ask you to continue to keep running and keep believing by faith. Keep trusting God so we can continue to trust you. But if you're here today, Jesus Christ is not your personal Lord and Savior, I want to ask you to change that right now. It's so simple. And God wants to change that. And here in a moment, if you want to pray to accept Christ, I want you to do something for me. It's not faith today. I want to ask you to do something. I want you right now just to lift your hand up really high. Lift your hand up really high to pray to accept Jesus Christ. Amen. Hands going up. Praise God. Spirit of God is alive and well. If you're joining us online, put something in the chat to let us know you're praying that also so we can get with you online and help you take your next steps. Thank you for that hand that was raised. I want you to know God loves you. God sees you. He can forgive you anything that you've done. And he wants to redeem your life entirely. In Jesus' name. I want to lead us on a prayer. I want you to repeat after me. Heavenly Father, we love you. We believe in you. And we confess now that Jesus Christ is my personal Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my past. And send your Holy Spirit to redeem my future. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. Who's glad you came to church? Amen. Sorry I went a little long on you guys again, like two weeks in a row, maybe three weeks in a row, a lot to digest. Hope and pray you guys digest it. We love you very much. Y'all are officially dismissed. Y'all remember, next Sunday, 930, okay? Bring the kiddos. You don't even have to get them fully dressed. Bring them in their pajamas.